the state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at an historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laugh as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. The danger they endured. They said my head should be cut off. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome back to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Thank you, as always, so much for tuning in. Let's give it up for the man, the myth, the legend, the one and only Mr. Max Williams. Woo. Woo. Uh, folks, they call me Ben, as always, with my ride or die, Mr. Noel Brown. Hello. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> so, thanks for the woo, hey. Max. I'm not used to getting this. Of course, Daffodil. Mm-hmm. And so we are... We're coming to you at quite an auspicious time this week because we are welcoming on air, finally, one of our newest research associates, Mr. Jeff Bartlett. All right, y'all. You know what time it is. It's here for Jeff. Yeah, Jeff is here. Oh, yeah. Actor, performer, writer here in the Atlanta area and a dear friend of ours. Jeff, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. I can tell your enthusiasm is infectious. (laughs) (laughs) No, I really am. I'm very happy to be here. We're happy to have you, my friend. So this is, Noel, this one was kind of a, a long time in the making for us. We were Peeking behind the ridiculous curtain, we were going to record this uh, a couple of different times. This curtain is so absurd. It's just the color scheme Mm -hmm. is all out of whack. 
Our priorities when we were doing the original budget for this show kind of came back to haunt us. This is like, I don't know if you guys know this, but podcast curtains are kind of pricey. Oh, yeah. They got to have sound absorbed, you know, properties. And then, of course, you want them to look nice. But somewhere along the way, everything got all ridiculousified, which I guess is on brand. Is ridiculousified a word? I'm going to make it a word. It is now. It's, it's American English, bro. The world is yours, uh, and that's something uh, that's something that we thought you would enjoy too, Jeff. Now, Jeff, uh, when you're working on research for ridiculous history, you you started off listening to the show, uh, which thank you surprised surprised us. But <laughs> we asked you if there was something that was close close to your mind, something you really wanted to come on air and explore with us on Ridiculous History. And you had it locked and loaded, man. Uh, we were on a call and you told us, Michelin Man, how much do you guys know about the Michelin Man? Because it, it's it's such a strange thing, like uh, this character who has become, you know, a strange version of, of a mascot. Like he's not a very... Uh, likable mascot. Uh, I don't know if that's the way to put well, it. But, I mean, well, he's got a smile on his face. He's got a days, smile on his the, face. The, the but modern version. But. He, d- he doesn't make much sense. Yeah, it's like <laughs> presumably he's meant to be stacked up tires, but exactly. he's also white and tires are black. And I guess they're those white wall tires that come on. What are those, Ben? Those uh, fancy cars that butlers drive or I guess oh, not, like, you know, chauffeurs, du- excuse me. Yeah. Duesenbergs, Packards, kind of that era right. of, of fancy, fancy, uh, motor coaches. Uh, yeah. We're going to find out how the Michelin man started. And, you know, for a lot of people who have nostalgic feelings about this mascot, you might be surprised by Jeff's statement that the Michelin man is maybe not a 10-10 dude. Uh, uh, Okay, so long story short is our introduction. Michelin Man is the mascot of the Michelin Company, which is now maybe uh, equally known for their opinions on restaurants, but originally was just known for making tires for automobiles, right? Absolutely. Which is very strange because it's uh it's sort of like Guinness. They make the beer, they also make the world records. And you think it was two different companies, but Michelin, yeah, they do the like restaurant ratings. It came from their travel guide, which was probably like a exactly. you know, marketing stunt that then kind of took on a life of its own and then began to become this very sought after status, you know, the Michelin stars and all of that. But it all came from, I guess, just being kind of first to market with that kind of uh, publication, right? Yeah, definitely. Their whole thing, they were making tires. That was the only thing they did. But hey, if you're going to have tires on cars and people are motorists wandering around for restaurants, hotels, why not rate them? So they (laughs) did it at the same time. And now it just seems like two completely different companies, but they're not same guys. Yeah, it would be kind of like, I was trying to find an analogy. This isn't a perfect comparison, but it would be kind of like your favorite podcast also doing a separate show just rating microphones, you know, and then becoming <laughs> known for that, right? They've got they've got four out of five ridiculousnesses, <laughs> uh, the sure microphones. 
Ben, <laughs> so, ben do, do, don't pitch a spinoff for me to do. I mean, Nolan, I'll take care of that one right there. It's going to be more successful than this show has ever been. Well, well maybe it'll just be an episode. Strong Shots words, fired. indeed. Yeah. Ben, for all you know, maybe Ridiculous History in the timeline will just be the episode. <laughs> maybe. Maybe in the great timeline of all things, Max, our lives are but one episode. Uh, so as you can tell, it's been a weird Monday morning for us. Uh, I like the idea of timeline, though. What a great segue because... We got to get to the bottom of this origin story. So we've laid this out. The Michelin Man used to look really weird, but where did he come from and how old is he? Oh, very old. 1894. So he's just seen the world change as, as his uh, fellow tire men have died around him. He's, he's wandered the earth alone, lo these many years, claiming victims to stay alive. That's oh, how it definitely works, Definitely right? claiming victims, yes. <laughs> so, so the way that we know the story, it goes back to uh, a guy named Edward and a guy named Andre, and they're brothers. They're the Michelin brothers. Spoiler alert! Uh, this I don't know how solid this story is, but from what we understand, they're at an auto industry show in Lyon, France, in 1894. Like you said, Jeff and. One of the brothers says to the other one, hey, look at that pile of tires. It looks, it looks sort of like a dude, right? Andre, right? You see it, right, bro? It's like a, it's like a dude without arms and legs, but, yeah, still, but still like a dude. I don't know. <laughs> Got to be something we can do with this, right? Let, sure. uh, let, let's make him into something. Are they, they, are, they are Frenchmen, correct? Yes. So I don't know okay. why I'm giving them a like a... Uh, New England, a Jersey accent, yeah, or New Jersey accent. <laughs> so, these guys. It's important to note these guys were already in the tire business. They weren't just two random dudes who wanted to go to an auto show. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about Michelin, the company? Well, the company itself, they definitely started out just uh, making tires. That was their entire thing. Um, uh, entire. <laughs> ah, ah, no pun left behind. Yeah, they uh, created the um, company just to supply tires for the earliest cars, which were all white, which is why Michelin Man, every time you see him, he looks like the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man or the Pillsbury Doughboy, like a cousin of maybe one of them. Because that's how tires were up until about uh, 1915. They were all white. Because, I mean, rubber, you know, untreated or, un, you know, uh, filled with some additive or other is white. Mm -hmm. Correct? Yes, indeed. Yeah, the latex from rubber specifically. Uh, harvested mostly from the Congo region, uh, just as an aside. Lots of rubber trees there. Lots of stories there, too. But that's for another time. Yeah, let's think about this. Right now, if you own a car or you walk by a car at some point during the day, you will see that uh, tires themselves are pretty complex. And aside from some novelties or specific industries, it's easy for us to look at tires and say, hey, these all kind of look the same. I've seen one tire. I've seen them all. But 
we have to realize that back in the day, uh, before Michelin got in the game, tires were made of different materials, wood, metal, or this is a really surprising one, leather, especially when you think about how heavy a car can be. Uh, that's that's going to be some pretty, pretty strong cowhide, huh? Got to be. It, even wood surprised me because, uh, uh, sure, there's horse-drawn carriages, you know, in so many different uh, historical references, but uh, wood just doesn't seem like it, it fits with engines to me. Like, mm. <laughs> it doesn't uh, seem like a great, tire when you're going over you know 20 miles an hour or so and ultimately we'll find the reason that tires today are black but as you said no rubber in its natural form is white and you can see this still on some old cars but they're very fancy like period accurate cars that you you know you wouldn't see these parking at your neighborhood quick trip so it seems like the Michelin Man evolves in step with the technology of tires. So what were scientists doing that turned tires from white to black? Carbon black was a material that um, around um, 1910 or so, folks were like, hey, these white tires are kind of degrading way faster than if we add carbon black to them. So even though tires by the 1920s were all black, the Michelin man stayed white. They just never changed him, even though those were only, I don't know, 20 years of tires were white. Well, traditions are good, you know? I mean, yeah. Was it a brand recognition thing, I'm wondering? Well, the carbon black made tires way more resistant to like temperature changes. The rubber wore down more slowly. It made the tires stronger. Probably increased traction too, I imagine. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. And and they even, uh, according to Goodyear, the chemical engineers had found that a tire made without carbon black would likely last 5,000 miles or less but the carbon additive gave them 10 times more life. And it also made them black. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Snagajob. Snagajob is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on-demand, temp-to-hire, part-time, or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Mint Mobile. 
You know, Ben, I got to say, one of the best parts about spring cleaning is that post-clean clarity you get where you're like, man, how have I been living like this? What's wrong with me? <laughs> you're right, Noel. It's, it's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. That's mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah, um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool. I, yeah, I, I just remember it was my dad's. I, I was a hand me down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car. I'd get that car, and I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody, like I was mm. in Mad Max or something. You know. I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac, yeah. Bonnevilles. right? Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was, a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I, meant, <laughs> I said El Camino and I met Monte Carlo. I miss it. So uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. It, it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, you know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. So, Jeff, Noel, Max, and I, a while back, uh, we did an episode on McDonald's, which was super trippy uh, because we learned a lot about the depth of McDonald land lore. And, <laughs> and it was surprising. Uh, I don't know about you, Noel, but it's surprising to me that Michelin Man has its own deep lore, not all of which has aged very well. Absolutely. His name is, uh, he, he's widely known as Michelin Man, of course, but um, he literally has a first name, which is Bibendum, which is uh, what? Latin. Because he was bendy? <laughs> For to drink, which, you know, we don't usually associate drinking and driving as a, a good thing these days, but <laughs> he was a um, 
he was an alcoholic mascot, basically, <laughs> for tires. Oh, goodness. Okay. Okay. This is back in like kind of Mad Men rules where it was okay to have a martini, you know, for your morning meeting. Same, I imagine, for a nice uh, drive in the country. You know, the early cars probably came with, you know, built-in bars, I imagine. Is that true? No, I'm just, just spitballing here. <laughs> but yeah, he, there were there were so many um, adverts that were included his first name, Babendum, which again is basically translates uh, to now is the time to drink to your health. The Michelin tire drinks down the obstacles. Probably wouldn't go over well these days. To drink, to drive. Let's do it together. Michelin. (laughs) Michelin. Yes. Yeah, and... Please drink and and drive responsibly. (laughs) There it is, perfect. Exactly. Uh, And it's weird, too, because... For most of us listening to the show today, you were probably not alive in the late 1800s. I I don't want to profile, but I'm just saying statistically, that's my guess. If you are a person who knows the Michelin Man from the modern day, you might be surprised to learn uh, over time, the dude, our boy Bib, has really mellowed out. Uh, Jeff, you found that Back in back in the days of old, in his earlier Hellion years, Babendum was known for being made of tires, drinking a lot, and smoking like a chimney, right? He was also a cigar aficionado. Loved cigars. It was just every single ad, he had a martini and a cigar. And even for a while, um, he was led as a character being known as the road drunkard, which, you know, doesn't really work out so well these days, but... Uh, can, I, can, can I say, no no shade on Europeans, but this all sounds intensely European. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> to drinking and driving <laughs> was pretty much almost their slogan for a while. Let the Michelin tire drink down the obstacles. Uh, (laughs) Ben, do you know when it became illegal to drink and drive? It's a great question, Noel. As far as we can tell, I'm kind of spitballing here. Uh, Drunk driving or drink driving, as they were called in Europe, has only been illegal for a little over 100 years in a lot of states uh, in the U.S. And it actually went state by state. And that's why you can see that some... uh, DUI or DWI or whatever they're called, some of those laws may vary even today. But as always, don't do it. Don't trust the old Michelin man. He's reformed. Bibendum does not want you to drink and drive. I think he quit smoking too after a while. He did, yes. He's a lot more uh, happy looking now. Again, as we were saying earlier, uh, you know, he looks like very innocent. He looks like the state buff marshmallow man. He looks like the Pillsbury Doughboy. But back in the day, he kind of looked scary in a lot of those ads. Yeah. He had pince nez. Is that what they're called? Yes. Yeah, he had pince nez. Um, Explain. Uh, I do not know what this means. Ed, the uh, French glasses that are just perched on your nose, they don't really have the... Um, the stem, the things. backing, the stems, yeah. And I think he would wear a monocle time to time. So also, he he needs uh, 
vision correction. Yeah, apparently. And it was also uh, very... They wanted to portray him as a rich man about town because those are the only people who could afford cars. I mean, we can argue that that's true still sometimes. But... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah, he, he was advertised to the rich, which is one of the reasons that they were like, hey, let's let's make him look fancy. Let's give him a drink. And then over time, uh-huh. of course, we see him now and he's just he's just a lovable, lovable, chubby boy. It reminds me of a really great sketch on Mr. Show um, where uh, some kind of marketing guys come into this company and they invent a what is it? Non-threatening pansexual spokes thing named mm. Pit Pat. And they go, Pit Pat. And at the end he goes, take it from me. I love you. And I think uh, they probably took some uh, inspiration from the Michelin man because he is genderless in that he's just kind of got, it's just a flat area down there. He is presumably nude. And yeah, a non-threatening pansexual spokes thing. I like this mm. idea. And this, this, takes us to an interesting place because there is this cartoonish quality to the Michelin man who was, who was sort of, you know what it was? He's the Dos Equis guy made out of tires. That's what they're going for. Like the most interesting man. And what I didn't know about this before we, we launched into prepping for this episode is that there is another creator who deserves who deserves their flowers, their shout out, as Ridiculous News would say, a cartoonist named Marius Rosilion. Could you tell us a little bit about this guy? Well, I mean, he he created Bibentum, basically, in 1898. He created this strange character. He wanted to use it for a brewery, which, again, comes back around to the uh, alcoholism of our Michelin man. And he uh, depicted this man of tires drinking from a goblet filled with nails and broken glass, which Mm. seems so strange. But the whole point was to be indicative of how tough and hardy Michelin tires were and that they would not puncture that easily. Okay, so he's coming from a really weird place as an origin story already. You know, I can see why maybe the Michelin restaurant guide doesn't have this guy on the cover, you know, shotgunning a glass of, of nails and uh, and chain smoking. You know what I mean? Black and milds or whatever, which I guess are technically cigarillos. But uh, so if we look at the old Michelin man and the new Michelin man, we see uh, we see those apparent changes also ditched the uh ditched the glasses mm-hmm. and now has the big sort of cartoon eyes right are they more expressive or w- was it just to make them look less creepy yeah uh, the early iterations again like we we've said he's smoking cigar wearing glasses looked kind of i would say like whipped cream Mm. Yeah, he had a little bit of a dippity do on the top of his head, almost like yeah. a Mr. Softy kind of vibe. Yeah, but not like as soft as he looks now. Like it was a, it was a, a mess. Like he, oh. he almost looked like a little mess of tires 
whereas now he's more stacked. <laughs> okay, so from uh, from uh, tire uh, tire pile to like tire model, this yeah. guy. So after hearing all of this in 2022, our fellow ridiculous historians, especially concerned parents with kids about to drive, might be thinking, this is literally the worst person to be a mascot for driving. You know, you were telling us earlier, Jeff, that he was actually pretty popular when he came out. Oh, he was very popular. He was beloved. He was Michelin, uh, again, they became uh, almost two separate companies because uh, he, the Michelin man, would recommend uh, places to stop, you know, places, you know, you're, dri- you're driving, you're rich, you want to stop at a nice restaurant, let's give him three Michelin stars. I, I actually, you know, now I want to look that up. Is it Five? Is five oh, the highest so Michelin star rating, or is it? I believe it is five. Okay, yeah. but that's incredibly high, or that's incredibly difficult. Rare. To, yeah. It's very just getting like one is a big deal. Aim getting my like, yeah. getting your first Michelin. I star. am wrong. I am wrong. It three. Is three, it's three. Stars. It is. Three. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, because one so. is such a big deal. Five almost seems like a, a bridge too far. Because even a one Michelin starred restaurant is a pretty pretty big to do. A pretty big hustle. Sells out the restaurant instantly. So three Michelin stars. Uh, we don't know yet why they landed on uh, three instead of five. But again, we've established they're pretty into traditions. I was surprised to learn that, you know, this, you know what this reminds me of, guys? This reminds me, uh, the story, the part we're about to get to reminds me of how corporate entities have started going on Twitter, on social media as their own accounts, you know, and all of a sudden Burger King and McDonald's are fighting, Wendy's drops a mixtape. And if you have not heard it yet, I have to reluctantly give the props. That mixtape slaps. It's <laughs> undeservedly good. It has no right to be as good. It's so good that this isn't even the first time it's been brought up on this show. We've brought this up beforehand. Well, just the <laughs> fast food social media wars has really become a thing to behold. Uh, and uh, sometimes they'll hire some rogue, you know, Gen Z social media buff that takes it a little too far. <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I, th- there's one I can think of, and uh, I'm going to have to beat myself here. It's a Wendy's posted. It's like an Arby sign. It says, we have a uh, fried fried chicken sandwich too. And the caption from Wendy's is, no one gives a shit. (laughs) Wow. Wow. No holds barred. Okay. So yeah, maybe one day, maybe one day far into the future, we'll be on Ridiculous History as very old people saying, you know, back in the day, that crazy meme account, Wendy's was a fast food restaurant. And also, a meme like, was a photo of oh. something posted online. <laughs> also, yeah, exactly. Uh, also, this is back when everybody ate food with their mouths. It'll literally yeah. be uh, that that image of the, the the young lady pushing her grandma in the wheelchair. It'll be very mm. meta because it'll be, you know, a meme describing what a meme was back in my day. Only now we're the old <laughs> lady in the wheelchair, which we're already approaching that. We've nailed it. Okay, well, at least we know what's coming. Uh, No one could have predicted, however, the uh, startling global success of of Babendum as a mascot. Uh, I was surprised to learn that 
Michelin when they launched this travel magazine in uh, 1907, an Italian travel magazine, I believe. Mm -hmm. uh, they had a regular column from Babendum, just so, sort of like fast food places have a uh, regular Twitter account now. And maybe, I don't know, let's let's chew on this. Do you, do, do you think that the the public in general was a little less jaded back then as in comparison to the public today when they hear from corporate mascots? I don't know. Certainly was more novel because there just weren't as many, you know, and like now we're just, it's so old hat that I think everyone's just kind of almost bored by it. And that's why advertisers are having to go increasingly weirder and weirder, like the Burger King, you know, serial killer looking king. That's true. They really have, you know, we are, recently uh, talking about McDonald's on the series. And it's strange what happened with Ronald. You know, he was such a, such a wonderful, cartoonish, wonderful dude. And you now he's terrifying. So it's weird that Burger King was able to turn their mascot into something terrifying and lovable. And yet McDonald's sort of lost their mascot for being too creepy, which is mm. a bit strange. Well, so the tide has sort of turned against clowns because of obviously things like It and Gacy. John Wayne Gacy and stuff like that. So, you know, I mean, clowns as a profession, uh, professional clowns have come out against movies like It, saying that it, it maligns their profession. And I'm sure uh, to a lesser degree, Ronald McDonald probably didn't help either because he was just so ubiquitous. And, you know, you still will see that creepy Ronald McDonald life-size kind of statue with his arm out mm -hmm. on a bench mm -hmm. for you to, like, sit with him putting his arm around you. And it's usually at the Ronald McDonald house, which is like a charity for, you know, kids, essentially. So having a creepy clown with his arm around a kid, uh, while, you know, used to be the clown was just the, you know, the bread and butter of birthday parties. And now, because of these associations, it, it has all these connotations that I think were uh, certainly not intended. Yeah. I Like, I don't have chlorophobia, fear of clowns, but uh, it was startling when I used to live in Central America. There's not the same level of disdain and it was kind of shocking you know I, I would just i wasn't expecting random clowns and i was trying to be cool with them but if you're not expecting them you know there's some uh deep primal psychological triggers for some of this stuff uh michelin man i i i would posit then is definitely a corporate spokes tire pile and is also uh fulfilling this kind of jovial clown role, but you might be surprised, fellow ridiculous historians, to learn that our boy Babendum was, in his column, not doing basic advertising. There was It's not like he had a column in every issue where he said, let me give you the latest updates on tires. Uh, he, in one case, uh, talked about attending a grand ball yes. and uh yeah he's a bit of a lothario right a bit of a bit of a lover's lover and here's one thing he did that might not age well he was uh kind of praising and rating women he saw at this ball could you tell us a, a little more about his columns uh he had several columns um love letters almost 
to like a penthouse letters kind of situation? <laughs> Almost. No, sorry, no. He, he had a, a, a particular fondness for Italy. A quote of his about Italy. Oh, you sublime Madonna, Rome's destiny. Accept my homage, you whose eyes shine with the splendors of the Renaissance. This is a tire Ooh. man talking. <laughs> Was it, yeah, did he write I mean, in character? Did he refer to things that an anthropomorphic pile of tires might be concerned with? He also he, he, he had he had he had enemies as well. He had a, a pretty fiery excerpt trumpeting the crushing impact that his social conquests were having on his rivals calling them ashen-faced suitors with fixed smiles, living symbols of a shattered illusion. Again, from a man made of tires. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like a Karl Marx kind of figure there, you know? He's like leading the revolution. He's coming for the fakers and the haters. Uh, So so I can see how this would be a really fun read. I mean, obviously it's satire. uh, Satire, jeez. Uh, Max throwing a boo, but uh, or a womp womp. Thank you. No, yeah, go with the drums. <laughs> Max Williams, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so this, uh, the, this is strange. Like everyone knows this is satire. They know it's a corporate brand. They're laughing at it, and now they're also on the Michelin side, starting to realize this is an excellent way to communicate with future tire buyers, right? Now, like, that's how, that's how you get them. It's fun to read. It's fun to hang out in your mind with Babendum. Maybe, uh, I, I don't know, maybe he'll recommend a brand of cigar to us in the next column. Maybe he'll tell us what beer is most in fashion in Milan, you know? But how do we get to how do we get to this idea of restaurants from here? Oh, it's strangely straightforward. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Snagajob. Snagajob is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on-demand, temp-to-hire, part-time, or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah. Um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool, I, yeah. I, I just remember, it was my dad's. I, I was a hand-me-down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car, I'd get that car. And I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody, like I was mm. in Mad Max or something, you know? I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac, yeah. Bonneville. 
right? It's- oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was, a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I, meant, <laughs> I said El Camino and I meant Monte Carlo. I miss it. So uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. But it, it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, you know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When the Taliban banned music in Afghanistan, millions were plunged into silence. Radios were smashed. Cassettes burned. You could be beaten or jailed or killed for breaking the rules. And yet, Afghans did it anyway. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The danger they endured. They said my head should be cut off. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. For such a long time, I was like, well, seriously, Michelin, the tire brand, can't be associated with Michelin, the folks who rate restaurants. But yeah, uh, at the beginning of the the tire boom, uh, you know, they had rich people who could afford uh, cars and they wanted to uh, say, hey, maybe we can do something a little more here and say... Um, these are the restaurants you should go to in your fancy cars that we're providing your tires for. And it seems like a lot of sense at the beginning, but, you know, at this point, it doesn't seem connected at all. But yeah, he, he's the guy. He's the guy. Bibendum is the guy recommending these restaurants to uh, quote the actual Michelin Guide. To help motorists develop their trips, thereby boosting car and tire sales. So, of course, hey, let's do something to boost our tire sales. They started producing mm-hmm. a small red guide filled with handy information for travelers, such as maps, information on how to change a tire, 
where to fill up with fuel and for the traveler in search of respite from the adventures of the day. So they started okay. raiding restaurants. Yeah. I can vibe with that because, I, I mean, one reason the Guinness comparison is so astute is that the Guinness Beer Company recognized early on that a lot of people like to debate and argue when there are a couple of couple of uh, <laughs> a couple of cans, or in their case, a couple of uh, pints in. Uh, so they got to the game early and they associated themselves with the idea of proving or resolving all sorts of. Uh, arguments, and then they started to focus on world records. So it's pretty cool that Michelin caught on to this. But from what you're describing here, Jeff, I don't know about you, Noel. It sounds like this was a situation in the beginning where people would buy tires and then they would be given the guide. Is it something like that, or was it just sort of all around uh, a city? Uh, at first, it just started in Paris. They started giving the guides out with the tires uh, in the 1920s, including lists of like hotels, restaurants, specific categories like that. And it was a good way to get out of having uh, paid for advertisements in the guide. Restaurants wouldn't have to pay for anything. They could just be listed in the Michelin guide. And both the restaurants and Michelin would prosper without any of them really having to spend money. Yeah, it does make sense. This is like an advertising coup. It's a win-win, as they would say in corporate American parlance. But now we have to talk, I think, about a dream job. Can we get like a dream job cue, Max? There it is. There it is. I don't know about you, Noel, but I I enjoy and I'm grateful to hang out with our crew on this show. Uh, but every so often, I too have dreamed of being a mystery diner. Do you ever want to do that? It's like a secret shopper kind of, right? Where you uh, go in and uh, pretend like you're a civilian, but in fact, you're there infiltrating uh, the restaurants um, in order to write a potentially game-changing uh, review that could, um, you know, up the profile of this place or absolutely crush their dreams of restaurant success. And nowadays, the, the sad thing is that everyone is their own mystery diner just by virtue of having a Yelp account. Mm, that's true. Yeah, it, it, it is true. But, uh, but like, Michelin got involved with this, right? They they. They weren't sending people dressed as the Michelin man to restaurants, were they? How would you do the soup, right? He's got no fingies. Does he have fingies? He's more of like a glove, like a mitten, right? Does he? I feel like uh, I, I can't really picture his digits. He's got, yeah, that's actually a good question. He has, he has digits. Oh, he does have digits. Okay, excuse me. Please forgive me for maligning. The Michelin man's uh, appendages. <laughs> Our pal's been a lot. I've been through a lot. So, the at this point, the reformed alcoholic Michelin man gets a uh, gets a team of human diners 
who I, I, I didn't know the proper term for them until you introduced it to us, Jeff. Restaurant inspectors. I feel like you should get a badge, you know, that you can flash at people at the end of a meal. be licensed. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Uh, there should be some qualifications. You can't just have an Instagram account, maybe. Uh, but this, so also peek again behind the curtain. We paid for this curtain. We're going to use the curtain more. We have a good friend of the show, uh, Christopher Hasiotis, who is a food critic of note. You knew that, right, Noel? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Very good taste, that Christopher Hasiotis. I've had the pleasure of uh, dining with him a few times and having him recommend some fabulous restaurants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anytime Christopher, uh, Christopher gives you a restaurant recommendation, you listen. And if you can get in, that's where you go. Uh, and, <laughs> and we've got to, we've got to have Chris, Christopher on the show again, but what he's doing, what a food critic is doing is different from what these mystery diners or restaurant inspectors are doing. They're not supposed to be identified. They're supposed to be anonymous, right? So they're like Garia food inspectors or they're spy, uh, spy restaurant people. Uh, are they the ones who give the stars? I believe they are. Uh, that that's the strange thing about it, and I I sort of wish it was more like that. It reminds me of um, uh, Ratatouille, where they're uh, expecting a restaurant review, and so they do everything in their power to help uh, make everything perfect. And that's sort of why I I'm not a I'm not a huge fan of the of. Yelp and such, uh, you know, it, it it exists. It's great. It can be. I like the idea of these secret reviewers, and the Michelin reviewers are secret. They they won't even today. I believe so. Yes. So it could be any one of us. We could all. Maybe we're all Michelin reviewers. I am actually the Michelin man. <laughs> no, I had my suspicions. <laughs> this is just like John Carpenter's The Thing, which I was not expecting in this show. All right, we need we need a blood test. <laughs> Max, if, if you're bleeding rubber, man, we're or still gonna have to do the show for contractual reasons, but poke poke with a poke with any implement and see if there's air leaking out. <laughs> yes. Yes, this is not the turn I was expecting, Noel, but I I like where well, we're going with it's this. It's the one we got, though, you know? It's the one we got. <laughs> so uh, so these guides, or these mystery diners, these restaurant inspectors, uh, they're working with the Michelin Guide, and by 1926, the guide starts to give its points to restaurants. Uh, initially, they're all fine dining establishments. I mean, it's still like always pretty fine dining or very special places. And I was, I was fascinated to find that in the beginning, it was just like they were giving people stars, just like in preschool, Single. you get a gold star. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Single stars. So when did they start adding more stars in? Uh, about 1936. They decided on the three-star system, which is, again, uh, something we were talking about uh, before, because most places rank things by five stars, but Michelin's always been just one to three. Mm, that means that the, the individual stars are just way more valuable. 
than in a five star system, you know, and uh, and so one star again, one star, well, one star review in a five star ranking system is a bad review, uh, but a one Michelin star, you know, is is very special. Mm-hmm. I think also with with a one Michelin star, the implication is keep your eye on this restaurant or mm-hmm. keep your eye on this chef. They're going well, and they places. don't give stars out willy nilly. It's not like they review every restaurant. Every restaurant gets on that spectrum at all. It's like you really got to be in the top notch and the top echelon of restaurants to even rank. And that's where it really does differ a lot from things like uh, crowdsourced Yelp or whatever, you know, where anyone can give any star to anything for any reason. Michelin will only give you a star or two stars or three stars. And it's also, it's a, it's a legacy thing. Like I said at the top of the show, it's the fact that they were first to market with this type of, you know, guide that they became the authority, um, despite it seeming like it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, the fact they were the first ones to do it. And then they realized that people were paying a lot of attention to it because they were really kind of the only game in town. Um, and then over time, it's just continued to have that impact and to have that kind of cachet. Um, and they've really been good stewards of that because, you know, you can pretty reliably know that if a restaurant has a Michelin star, that it's something to be, you know, taken seriously. And chefs, you know, the top chefs in the world uh, feel the same way. And really, and you can lose a Michelin star too, by the way. They could take mm-hmm. it away. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling that it's just like the Michelin man just shows up and it's like, I am taking this from you. He just peels it off your restaurant. Oh. Yeah, like like in like Bugs Bunny cartoons <laughs> where they like, you know, they're literally dressing down like a millet, like a gen, they rips off all the epaulets and the, you know, the 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 general uh, kind of badges and merit badges or whatever Sashes. generals have. Exactly. Yeah, this is, uh, and this is interesting too, this isn't just brilliant uh, advertising for the restaurants. It's also aimed, at least in its origin, it's aimed squarely at people who are on the fence about the expense of buying a motor vehicle, right? You, uh, Jeff, you told us that in 1900, there were fewer than 3,000 cars on the roads of France, the country, the entire thing, not Paris. Imagine Paris alone with just 3,000 cars today. People would be dancing in the streets. But they did this to increase demand for tires, to get people on, on board with the idea, right? Like in Mad Men, you're selling an idea, you're selling a dream, the dream of driving on the open road. Uh, and there's no arguing. They, they met with uh, great success. I was surprised to find that the Michelin guides have become bestsellers multiple times. Spoiler, I think you do have to buy them now. You do. You do. They were free at first. It was um, kind of almost sad with Andre Michelin. For two decades, all that information came at no cost until a fateful encounter that (laughs) that remains a favorite anecdote repeated today when uh, Andre himself arrived at one of his tire shops to see his beloved guides being used to prop up a workbench. Oh, no. Sort of like those AOL discs we always used to get. I know, right? Uh, eventually, <laughs> yeah. they start to lose their 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 value and you just get them in the mail every week. And people started using those for like doorstops. So, yeah, uh, after that, uh, he started selling them for, I think, seven francs. Yep. 
And so that became its own business. And that's sort of why, again, we tend to separate the tires from the restaurant guide because it doesn't seem like they fit together. But um, that's why he started selling them at his tire shops. Nuts. And, and there we have it, folks, the relatively little-known story of Babendum, the crazy smoking, drinking, and driving tire mascot uh, who later learned his lesson and reformed uh, and became a bit of a food critic, a bit of a gourmand, if you will. Uh, Jeff, thank you so much for coming on the show with us today. We love, love, love introducing uh, introducing the team at large to all our fellow ridiculous historians. And uh, Noel, I guess, you know, at this point, we've, we've both learned a lot. Um, we've both been to Michelin restaurants in the past, I know, uh, and we have some of our favorites. But uh, I got to tell you, even knowing all we had just learned today, I still think the original Michelin Man is super creepy, super duper creepy. Well, you know, we didn't even, we described him a bit, but I, I just, I did want to point out that as I was looking through some vintage photos, which you can find yourself with a quick uh, cursory goog, um, he looks more like a mummy than anything. It's like, it's almost like mm -hmm. a weird square headed mummy where the, the, the tire things look more like bandage wraps than they do what they're intended. And uh, back to my question about the fingies in the original costume, they just didn't have a gloved part. And so just the human, it had human hands, which made it even more uh, <laughs> strange and, that's uh, right, and, and yeah. creepy. Yeah. Sexy. I'm feeling it. <laughs> and also, as we're ending today's show, since Ronald McDonald came up, uh, wanted to give a big thanks to everybody who went to our Facebook page, Ridiculous Historians, and posted pictures of the Ronald McDonald vestiges in their own neck of the global woods. Just like the early Michelin Man, those things are kind of creepy. Uh, and we are creeping up on Halloween, one of my most favorite times of the year. Uh, so hopefully we can get some some spooky stories of ages past on Wouldn't the air Wouldn't that be a soon. fun costume? A vintage Michelin Man yes. uh, oh, outfit? Wow. No gloves, definitely take, take some regular doing. Regular hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah regular hands. <laughs> I bet we could get one. Carrying a gonna, martini. Mm -hmm. And smoking a cigar. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, you're going to get the cops called on you if you're walking around in that thing. And you <laughs> probably deserve it, too. I was about to say, as well you should. As well you should. <laughs> Nobody wants that. Nobody wants that thing walking around. But we do want to hear from you. We want to hear your stories of mascots of yesteryear. Uh, the ones that you love, the ones that really freak you out, uh, the ones that you think most people may have forgotten. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, as we said, Ridiculous Historians. We're still working on our MySpace, but more news to come. We're probably not going to get a TikTok. I don't, I don't think we... I don't think we need a TikTok. Maybe. We were already talking about how old we are in comparison <laughs> about the memes and stuff. I was going to get a TikTok at this point. I mean, it just, it would just seem like a, like a real, like, cry for attention, honestly. Carrier pigeon, telegraph. <laughs> Thank you, Samuel Morse. 
Uh, please, <laughs> please do contact us. I mean, we just basically barely figured out Instagram. I'm not ready for another platform. You know, we've been we've been toying with this Pinterest page for years now, and Pinterest isn't even hardly a thing anymore. Maybe in another five years' time. Or we'll hire mm-hmm. like a 23-year-old. Mm-hmm. Oh, We're God. thinking long-term. You know, that's our Event Horizon. I'm just saying that because I recently rewatched Event Horizon. It's amazing. Dude, that movie, because you may remember, Ben, when that came out, it was really advertised, uh, speaking of truth and advertising, as a sci-fi romp, you know, (laughs) through the reaches, the far reaches of space. Turns out, uh, not really a spoiler alert, more of a cautionary alert. Uh, It is a uh, gore-fest, existential, dread-filled horror nightmare of Lovecraftian proportions. Mm -hmm. Lovecraft, yes. Where we're going, you won't need eyes to see. That's right. (laughs) Yeah, it's like Hellraiser in space, basically. Yes. Well, yeah. I. I, uh, Oh, and we just uh, shout out to our pal Dave Bruckner, who uh, just directed the newest Hellraiser. Good on you, man. Um, Check it out. Let us know what you think. Uh, And let us know about these mascots. Uh, We can't wait to hear from you. Thanks, as always, to our super producer, Mr. Max Williams. Thanks to our uh, one half of our new research associate team. Thanks to Jeff Bartlett. And thanks to Zach Williams. No relation. We call him Dr. Zach now. He earned it. Uh, and, (laughs) And thanks, of course, to our special guest today, Mr. Jeff Bartlett. Noel. Thanks to you, man. I, I feel like a road trip. I, I'm feeling a road trip to a restaurant, like a yeah. weird road trip. You're welcome. And, and by the way, speaking of restaurants, I don't think they have a Michelin star yet, but I checked out a new Atlanta restaurant called uh, Di Boca and Boca or in Boca Di Boca. I forget. It's like a really nice upscale kind of uh, Mexican restaurant that does incredible tacos. And they have like birria tacos and they do like, you know, tomahawk steak, you know, um, uh, what is it? Carne asada. It's really, really amazing. Check it out. And do check out those early pictures of the Michelin Man. Nightmare fuel. We'll see you next time, folks. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. The danger they endured. They said my head should be cut off. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. 
Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.